This podcast is brought to you by the patrons at patreon.com slash duckvtv. Just a couple of dollars a month goes a long way to helping the network, grow the network, let us add new shows, let us do cool new things. Go check it out, patreon.com slash duckvtv. Thanks, and enjoy the episode. I'm Jeremy Greer. And I'm Gary Butterfield. And this is Days of Future Cast, the the podcast where extremely sick people talk about the X-Men. So just want to I've got the Haunta virus. <laughs> and I, I just have throat crunk, so I'm sorry that my voice sounds super legacy sexy throat. today. Yeah, I have legacy throat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> legacy throat sounds like a designer flashlight. Like oh. they brought back the legacy throat from like the set from the vault, like the Disney vault. Canvas on the cover, so you know it's good, share. This patent after my shari. Gambit do the playtest. That's the, uh, that's probably our our quickest time to gambit impression on a podcast yet, Gary. Congratulations. I, I just I never I don't know why the phrase legacy throat is tickling me. Like I I know legacy I said throat. it, so it's uncouth for me to think it's so funny. But like, <laughs> I don't know. Oh um, man, it is. Uh, that's just sounds great. We're here back. We're covering uh, season three. Uh, this is the first time that our episode numbering is going to get super duper weird. So uh, yes. before you listen to this, you probably need to go take a look at daysoffuturecast.com slash schedule because the DVD order, if you're watching at home, is incorrect. So uh, the like some of the episodes that we're talking about today, for instance, the first episode, No Mutant is an Island, is actually on the fifth volume of the DVD, what was originally meant to be aired during the third season. So yes. we've, we've pulled that from the original creators of the show, and I've checked it out with uh, a couple of other people that are really, really into these kind of facts and uh, confirm that we're doing it right. So uh, today we'll be doing No Mutant is an Island, as I mentioned, and also Obsession, which I'm pretty excited to talk about because both of these episodes are pretty good. If not good, it's then kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I'm looking forward to season five because it's my, I was looking up stuff about it and my understanding is that like season five is kind of this weird clearinghouse for like a bunch of stuff, like a bunch of kind of stuff that didn't make it. There's like some weird season four stuff in there. Like it's season five just became this, just this, this like junk drawer of X-Men stuff. So I, I imagine it just like real bonkers. Um, and I've seen some of the stuff that they actually deal with in there and it is bonkers. There's like, that's where caveman Wolverine comes from. So <laughs> de- de-evolved Wolverine. I'm looking forward to that. Um, this, uh, this makes out of all the episodes we could, they could shunt to season five. This one makes the least sense. Like this takes place exactly after the last episode. <laughs> I mean, it's like, if you go on Amazon and you look at the reviews of the DVD, that's one of the common complaints. It's like, wait, I was watching this, and then there's an episode that's all about Jean Grey, but that was solved yeah, like two, well, two DVDs alive. ago. Yeah, did, did she die off camera? Like, it just like, did she die between the the episode of like because the last episode before this on season five, I think, is a mega red. Uh, so it's like, and she's I mean, not really yeah. in it. So it, it's like a mega red killed her before the episode started. And then now everyone's doing her funeral because, uh, but then she comes back the next episode. And like it's, kid, it's ridiculous. I don't really remember 
dealing with this too much as a kid, right? Like I just don't, I just don't really even remember doing it. Um, so like, but I'm sure if you were trying to keep up with this now, it's just a nightmare. Like what? This doesn't, this isn't in not no order whatsoever. So, well, and as a kid, I never watched season five. So this is uh, the, the exciting thing. I watched season three. I was looking through season four. I don't think I watched those either. So like, this is the first episode we're doing for the show that I did not watch as a kid. And next season is going to be all episodes I didn't watch as a kid, which is kind of exciting. Like there's yeah. a bunch of new X-Men to me. I was looking at the air dates and like season uh, four and five are both 95 and 96, which would have been about the time that I thought comic books were way too cool. I look right? way more into pussy. <laughs> like it just yeah, like way more into chicks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <it's> just, <laughs> like put down your comic books, gramps. It's time for me to go dive in. Got to like, get that, rid, of, rid of all of this stuff. Yeah. Cause yeah. I've, I've got a redhead coming over. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know what I mean? I, I mean, I was still reading comics then, but it was more like adult comics. Like, uh, no, that's how it wasn't. It was still just X Men, but the um, I wasn't watching cartoons for some reason. That was the difference. Like I was like, I'm going to read the Generation X comic, but like I'm not going to watch a Saturday morning cartoon. That's too kitty. And the uh, there was somebody in the Slack, I believe it was Fletch, aka Surge, uh, that dropped us a link to show us the differences with the original version that aired of No Mutant Is an Island versus the version that uh, because they aired this version and they kept sending it back to the animation house to get it redone because it was so fucking terrible and uh, it's a pretty stark difference in the the two like and there's side by side screenshots and things and it's dramatically different I'll drop that in the show notes so people can check it out just to get an example of you know what, what they were dealing with back then it sounds like they had just a whole ton of production problems yeah, yeah. And it does look way worse. The, those uh, screenshot comparisons are kind of frustrating to me, though, because it also looks like if you took um, like an HGTV and like a CRT, like the, the shitty ones kind of look like they're just like snapshots of a CRT TV to me. You know, yeah, I, I just it definitely looks like that, it's uh, being ripped from a VCR like the yeah, that's, that's, I mean, about that's that, resol- that resolution quality. But like there's some like uh, like just in the very first one, I don't know if you're looking at it or not, but like beast muscles in the old version just are like his knee has a muscle like on yeah. top of it. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think I don't know. I don't know what your legs look like. I'm not saying I'm not trying to take away anybody's knee muscles here, but like yeah. most humans don't have knee muscles, right? Like they don't, I don't have, have bold, knees. You don't okay, sure. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Get, get right to it. Right to it. Yeah. Gary Gustav. That's sort of the uh <laughs> You're gonna be like yeah, a friend Taki from this episode. <laughs> oh boy. The uh yeah, if you didn't think the X Terminators got a uh a cameo in the X Men Animated series, you were wrong. The um yeah, I mean it does look worse other than just the quality. I just feel like if it wasn't a VCR rip, it would it, it, it would hold be up easy. a little better. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be easier to see the difference. Mm-hmm. Um let's get into it. Uh No Mutant is an Island. Um, and this original erudite doesn't matter. Season five, it's, it's all over the place. Yep. Um, so, uh, still reeling from the traumatic events of the Phoenix saga and Jean Grey's sacrifice. Cyclops quits the X-Men and travels back to the orphanage, uh, from where he was adopted as a child while there Cyclops befriends some young mutants to help them, uh, free them from the evil clutches of the purple man. Uh, spoiler rejuvenated Cyclops returns to the X-Men and to miraculous news. So, yeah, uh, I didn't actually read this description. I just kind of jumped right into it and just started watching the episode. So when they started talking about Kilgrave, I was like, man, is I don't remember the like Kilgrave being an X-Men villain as a kid. Like, cause you know, he's, he's super not. Purple. He's it's such a yeah. weird, he's always been an, like an Avengers guy or like a daredevil, Jessica Jones or recently yeah. a Jessica Jones guy. Like it's so weird to see him pitted up against like this, and to have like I, this world domination plot is so bizarre. <laughs> I kind of dig it. Like when X when Cyclops leaves the X Men, though, he deals with non X Men villains. You know, <laughs> so it's like he's in a different part of the country. Like this is just where the Purple Man does his shit. You know, he's in what, Purple uh, Country. How much? 
how many problems do you have? Like, what level of uh, problem with authority <laughs> figures do you are you on that you're going back to the orphanage from which you were adopted? Like, that seems like such incredible. a weird thing to do. Not, well, not the place weird... that adopted you. Not not going yeah, to that not place. Your, not your foster parents. Not going to, the, um... you know, a new place. It'll literally anywhere else. <laughs> it's a, It's also pretty fucked up because the... Um for the showrunners to do this because there's already like intrigue about the place where Scott was adopted. Like there's all this stuff about Mr. Sinister, like grooming him as a kid that shows up in the comics. And I don't know if that got retconned out or if that's current, but I think that comes up later in the cartoon too. So to kind of establish Scott's, uh, adopted home adoption home as this place all tied up with Kilgrave, like does kind of make it narratively sloppy when they later have professor or uh, sinister skeeving on him. There, it's just like this. Uh, this orphanage is just full of like supervillains watching from the corners, you no, know, you know, from hilltops nearby. Also, like the the, you know, in the universe, they they kind of present mutants as relatively rare. Like you know, there, there's not just millions of them, and this one particular orphanage seems to have like eight. Like they have enough it's, to it's, field a team. <laughs> it's really it's real mutiny. Like uh, it's, it's it's enough to have the exterminators. It's enough to to be able to put together the exterminators, which you know just have some delightful. I'll, a couple of the episodes we're going to talk about today have uh, really, really good cameo spots that I'm really enthusiastic about. This is one of them. Exterminators, I think, actually come off as pretty goofy and fairly okay in this episode. Oh, yeah. Like, they were never that serious. They're the exterminators. <laughs> like, they're, 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 they've always been, you know, things. And, like, I love that Taki gets thrown a bone because it's, like, the guy who didn't make it onto a team. Like this is this is Taki's first and last appearance in anything. Um, <laughs> I had to go. This this Taki guy, like I I could not remember the exterminators because it's been a long time, and I had, actually went on Wikipedia and like looked this dude up to make sure that like that he actually had a wheelchair transformation power, like the show says, and he totally <laughs> has a wheelchair transformation yep. power. That's a yep. shitty mutant power, Gary. <laughs> it's it's so it's so sad too because it's like the, you know we're picking out people for X Force. You know, nope. Like we're picking out people for the new warriors. Nope, nope, nope. Sorry, like, yeah, he just doesn't get uh, doesn't get chosen for any teams, and it's kind of sad because he's you know kid in a wheelchair, but he's got those transformation powers. The um, okay. Uh, so this episode begins uh with them at Jean Grey's funeral, uh you know essentially, or like just something in her memory. Like they're all hanging out in a field, reading some poetry. Uh, the beast is is reading, of course. I found this out, man, from reading. Did you know that this is not a poem? Like, this is something he's fucking wrote, dude. Are you serious? Yeah. Like, I, like, I, I just up and, assumed like, I was... it was a poem. I didn't search it. No. <laughs> he wrote like a funeral dirge for Jean Grey. Yeah. He's wrote, oh my and it's, God. Like, it says something like, when the river goeth to the ocean, it will finally find peace or something like that. Can you like, why doesn't Scott Summers punch him in the fucking face for Dude, this? Like, Scott, and, and look, Scott is pretty angry from the jump. Like he, when beast finishes this, uh, you know, Xavier comes up and is like, thank you beast. I think that she would have, she really enjoyed yeah, poetry. Alive. She poetry right, <laughs> and Cyclops Scott? is fucking <laughs> out. He just like, I'm out of here. Fuck well, this. Xavier is like trying to psychologically torture him or something. It's real weird. Like she loved poetry. Didn't she Scott? Yeah. Like, like, like they had gotten to a big fight about poetry at some point when she was alive or something and then like when he's so, so scott you know so this is great already this just the fact that beast wrote his own poetry very good scott comes in uh and is looking at the weird stiff action figure end of the credits thing of gene gray slowly rotating on the hologram machine yeah like, this that's is... what he remembers her as is like this you know uh action 
uh, figure version yeah, of her. Weird. And and like they're going to do this in the next three or four episodes. But since we've had like one run in with the Shi'ar, uh, like now, like we have all of this new technology. So like, oh, yeah. we have fucking holograms popping up and all of a sudden they have a robot that talks in Xavier's voice that nobody comments on <laughs> at all, which I think is really, really fucking weird. <laughs> it was just like given to him in case he had to get like one of those throat stents. <laughs> I mean, I guess I just can you imagine going to someone's house and then like all of their Alexa devices are in their own like their <laughs> voice? It's like Jeremy Greer talking like, yes, Jeremy, right away, Jeremy. I think that'd actually be kind of funny and awesome. That makes me want to do that. I, I don't know if they have programmable Alexas. Yeah, I'm, sh- can I'm, do your, I'm your sure that they will eventually figure out how to sell a celebrity voice on there for like eight ninety nine or some shit like they used to for uh, remember they were like doing that for GPS devices like Darth Vader would tell you to make a U-turn and shit. Oh, yeah. That's that's still a thing. I remember um, my ex had one where it was uh, it wasn't a specific boy band, but her uh, GPS w- was a boy band. So it was like four dudes in harmony singing the directions. It was pretty funny. <laughs> turn left, turn left, <laughs> like you turn. Like it was it was pretty fun. That um, streets back. You need to turn around. <laughs> <laughs> Take a right. Xavier and Scott have like this big fight here, and uh, I th- I'll probably cut the line out. I'm of- sick of the responsibility. I'm sick of being den mother to a bunch of quibbling children. Like he's really. Scott has had some shit building up for a while, he's, man. He's, he's stopped up bad emotionally. <laughs> he's, <I'm- laughs> he's really stopped up. And this this part, one of my favorite things that happens here, and it doesn't happen, but if I could like do edits like that, is he like he's like he quits the X Men, right? So like Xavier, he's looking at a picture of his ex, his, his ex wife, who's you know dead, ex fiance. Xavier comes in and just goes, "Yes, we're all very sad." There's a mission I'd like you to go on. Like just goes right into business. <laughs> yeah, there's and, and, Cerebro picked up a random mutant. I think you should lead the team. And he's like, "Fuck you, man!" Yeah, get off my dick. It's the funeral day. And then Scott throws his uniform down. It turns over to Scott getting ready to light, leave. If when it panned right, if Xavier was wearing Cyclops's uniform, <laughs> and, <laughs> just said, "I'll lead the team." And then the episode just followed him, like pretending to be Scott Summers for a day. It would make me the happiest that I've ever been in my life like it's just like like him just cruising around uh dressed up as cyclops i would have been very happy with that this is just a real missed opportunity for morph like he's really going to be sad when he learns that this happened and he didn't have a perfect opportunity to take <laughs> yeah. over from scott yeah. <laughs> the one day that i'm not constantly monitoring my ex-teammates this happens <laughs> <laughs> just doing his uh his shitty one-man show down in ecuador or whatever um yeah but th- this is really amazing so scott quits um, he goes and he gets on a train. We don't know where he's going yet, but this is, I, I like all this stuff. This is all like kind of cinematic and like cool for a kid's cartoon, you know, like we're following one character. It doesn't have the rest of the X-Men in it really. Um, and him just kind of like going and doing this long, you know, long dark night of the soul by himself. Like it's a cool thing for a kid's cartoon to deal with. It's just so much like, I mean, it's so, it's so Scott Summers that like, he's going to go out and search his soul and he starts at the orphanage. Like, it's yeah. just, I can't get over this. Like he doesn't stop by a bar. He doesn't try to go to his foster family. He doesn't think to himself that weird dude I met in space kind of look like me. <laughs> That's yeah. probably good. Check that out. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, he gets, yeah, he gets on this train and he goes to, and he finds that his old friend, Sarah is, uh, running this orphanage. And he, she was one of the few people that were friendly to him because as he was, while he was at the orphanage, his mutant powers started kicking in. And, is, it, uh, is it me or does she kind of look like Jean Grey? I mean, he's he's she's got not, she's one not type, red-headed, but like she yeah. she looks a lot like if you just changed her hair to be red, I think she would look like the cartoon Jean Grey. 
I, I think he's very specific. I don't. She, maybe they're being a little. Uh, maybe they're being a little nefarious there to the to the viewers and making her make it, like maybe she doesn't mm. actually look that way, but Cyclops thinks she does because he uh, he actually like they almost kiss in this episode, like fresh off yeah. the wife dying, like he or the excuse me, the fiance. Uh, he was never able to put a ring on it. <laughs> like <laughs> she, they, a- they try to make out at the end. <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 I think it's them trying to do like their, their real quick version of like the Madeline Pryor, yeah. you know, thing. Like he's just, uh, Cyclops is always like really quick to go into someone else's arms. Like Cyclops cannot stand handle being alone, you know? Yeah. He's, he's definitely a relationship guy. He's got, he's got, he's one of those dudes that has to have a girlfriend at all times. So, yeah. Um, we, we hear this background chatter of this guy, Kilgrave, Zebediah Kilgrave, uh, which I did yeah. not know was Kilgrave's first name, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, played much to much less great effect than uh, David Tennant played him on the recent Jessica Jones TV show. <laughs> as you might imagine, David Tennant did a little bit better job with Kilgrave. Uh, but he's been like sponsoring this, this orphanage and paying for scholarships for all of her quote unquote special children. And uh, like, cause she has four or five mutants up in this piece, just like Scott. And she remembers yeah. Scott having like coming into his powers. We get a couple of flashbacks and we start seeing some really inconsistent uses of Cyclops's uh, eye <laughs> beams. Like we, at, at first, like he shoots a tricycle and it just, it like just moves the tricycle away a little bit. It barely yeah. hurts it. <laughs> yeah. Shoves it a little bit. And in like 20 yeah. minutes, we're going to see him shoot the same tricycle and it melts. So what, what the fuck writers, what are you doing? What are you trying to tell me? It's gotten more powerful. It's, it's uh, now that he's got pubes. The um, so the, this uh, you know, so he's like, okay, Kilgrave seems cool. I'm gonna hang out here. Where is he gonna sleep? Like, it's it just like his old what bed. Is, I don't know. They saved it. Yeah, like sleep in this <laughs> tiny little bed with all these kids in this room or something. Like, I don't really don't know what Scott's plan is here. Um, but so he's also he's also linking back to all the times he got rejected by parents. Like they brought him back because he's a scratch and dent kid and he had mutant mm-hmm. powers. You know, he he melted all their shit and they didn't like it. You know, flashbacks to Jubilee. Like, this is, like, kind of effective. It's it's funny and stupid. But, like, you know, again, this is kind of a thing that happens to, to mutants, right? Like, we've had two of our principal characters had a very similar upbringing in this respect. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah. they... He's just sitting down having coffee with Sarah, like doing the ketchup thing, and <clears throat> yeah, trying to find um, a new a new fiance, a new perma fiance. Yeah, maybe this one, maybe one that won't, won't die in a weird. Yeah, she won't <laughs> turn into a cosmic entity. <laughs> into a weird cosmic entity. Yeah. How, how did your last relationship end, Scott? Well, yeah. <laughs> um, um, but dear, there's, there's a fire. There's, there's a fire, and so yeah. Scott runs upstairs, and he like the Sarah is walking up the stairs like a, like a normal human being, but Scott, like this is jumps so the, good. Jumps the banister ahead of in her in front of her. Yeah. It's really good. Um, and it's not like animated terribly. It's like a blink and you'll miss it kind of thing. Like we're not in like the animation doldrums just yet, but this is just such a, like a weird little cheat. And it, it's like a fraction of a second. I don't know why they do it like this. It's, it's really very weird. strange. There's also um, when he runs up there, uh, he opens the door to the fire and uh, like the it does that backdraft thing and the fire like flames up and he does a little backflip right after he opens the door, which yeah. I had to I had actually made a gif of that. Like I'll have that on the Twitter when we, this episode comes out of uh, him doing a little backflip and then running in and then again like Cyclops concussive beams and apparently put out fires now. Like is that a thing in the comic books? I don't ever remember that being a thing in the comic books where he can shoot fire and it goes out. <laughs> So with the with the best will in the world, it's like so if it's concussive force, right? So it's just it's pushing, 
That's you know it does a lot of other stuff, but I think if you like read his official handbook entry, it's supposed to be concussive force. Mm-hmm. It'd be like throwing a blanket on the fire, like you're pushing on the fire so air can't get to it. You know, like the the beam is there instead of oxygen, so it starves the fire. It's just it's just one of the five ways we're going to see his memes used yeah. in this episode. <laughs> it, it's the kind of thing if there was like no prizes for the cartoon, I would demand a no prize for that because it's it's they weren't thinking that they just. Yeah, they were they were just the like, fire. okay, there's a fire, and now how is Scott going to put it out? Oh, he's not going to grab a fire extinguisher from the kitchen, which definitely is there mm. because it's an orphanage licensed by the state of New York. Yeah, <laughs> he's just he's just going to go zap crazy. He's going to go zap crazy. Um, and he initially is super aggro with this kid. He's like, "Were you playing with matches?" <laughs> like he's such a you know Boy Scout about it. Oh, um, we're, we're and, in the era of aggro, Scott Summers. By the way, he's going to hate everything in the next few episodes that we cover. It's kind of amazing. Like this is good, Scott. Um, <laughs> the uh, it, it's a uh, it's for another segment of great scott uh where we <laughs> talk about our best scott summers so uh, he finds out that this is rusty uh who can create fire he's like kind of a an upgrade or, or a, like a the yin to pyro's yang like pyro can control fire rusty can't do that he can just create it yeah and this dude looks exactly like rusty venture like i don't want to i don't want to feed any fires <laughs> of the venture brothers or anything but man this dude looks exactly like young rusty venture whenever we have flashbacks on that show so it's really really funny um, it's a it's a cool cameo though because these guys uh you know they're a team like as we mentioned and they also they were involved in x-factor so like mm-hmm. there there was a very different story in which like cyclops met this kid and kind of took him under his wing like took these kids under their wing it's just like them working in these weird original x-factor stuff into yeah. the uh, animated series i think this is kind of a good way to do it sure i, I actually really dig like the, this kid situation because we get to we're gonna get there in a minute meanwhile like when Scott realizes this kid is a mutant, they go on a walk together, and Scott. This is really sh- good. Where are they him. at? Who knows? They're like in a <laughs> shitty part of town. Hellscape? Are they? Like, has Apocalypse in? already visited this town and like this left the orphanage with full of mutants there and like destroyed <laughs> the everything else? Out. Like it is. <laughs> there are multiple abandoned, crumbling buildings across the street from them. I mean, and this Cyclops is a little... chooses one. It just explodes it with his beams, dog. It's so stupid. Are they in like Detroit? Like, is that what it's supposed to be? Like, is it just burn out Detroit? <laughs> yeah, this is this is ridiculous. And like, uh, he does it to show Scott, or excuse me, to show Rusty that he's a mutant too. Like, he's he's one of him. One of you know, they're they're the same. Basically, they're mutants. Yeah. And what a weird and dumb way to show off your eye beam powers like go put out another fire maybe like like something hey rusty write that on fire and i'm gonna put it out with my eye beams don't just blow up a, an abandoned building yeah yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Mm. anywho um so the the kilgrave shows up with the cops which like i was like oh it's because he's blowing up buildings you know like that would make sense <laughs> Kilgrave owns all this property right that's what you were going yeah it's, it's you know or just like you can't just blow up stuff you're a goddamn superhero, Scott. Um, so the uh, he shows up and he's here to collect Rusty because Rusty wasn't supposed to be there. Rusty was adopted and he ran back. Uh, and like Rusty's like, "Don't make me come with him." Kilgrave's a real creep and he has a torture room in his basement. Yeah. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And Sarah yeah. just doesn't believe him. She's, well, you know, like you know, foster parents can be a little. It can be a little disconcerting sometimes. And Rusty's like, "It's a fucking torture chamber, okay?" They, sh- they strap me. Something, say something. <laughs> yeah. It's, and what an aggro move to like show up like, hey, I just adopted this kid and it ran back to the orphanage. Uh, I need four police cars to follow me over there to get this kid. Like, don't the cops be like, what? <laughs> Why do you need four cop cars to do this? Well, he's not because of the mute. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's real weird. And, and Kilgrave is so obviously a piece of shit. Like, he looks like a villain. Oh, yeah. 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 
immediately yeah. looks like a villain. And we see him like we we Rusty he does get Rusty, and they do go back. Um, and we see yep. him strapping Rusty in and using his. So Kilgrave is the Purple Man who can has who has basic mind control powers, can look at you and force you to do things that you wouldn't normally. Yeah, do. you have to do anything he says. Yeah, he can, exactly. he can tell you what to do. Um, which you would think would be would inspire him to do more with his powers, more creative stuff. But in this, he just seems to want to win a bid on like a government I, contract. I actually think the method in which he's getting this is very creative. It's too creative. <laughs> it it, it, he too could inspired. just come over there and be like, elect me. You know, because that's how his power powers work. He just tells people to do, but this is a very complicated plan. I don't. He's I don't even know here. that I can. I don't know that I can explain it. There's some sort of project that he wants to win the construction of, and like Wait, he he wants that. He wants to become like a like run for office too, because they go and they make the governor. <laughs> that's right. They make uh, the government resi- governor resign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like with a bunch of mutants, like a bunch of mutants storm his compound and make him resign. Like they don't kill him or kidnap him. They make him quit his job. And it, presumably it's so Kilgrave can get his job because earlier they showed him campaigning. Like when he was on the TV, when Sarah brought him up at the orphanage, mm-hmm. um, it was like he was campaigning and she's like, oh, he's a great man or something like that. So like the person he they make quit is somebody who is bad mouthing him on TV. Uh, so I think he's running for office. Why somebody with mind control powers can't just like like literally when somebody is running for office, they go, you know, vote for me. Like if Kilgrave does that, they have to. Yeah. Like all he needs to do is get out there and do a couple of public appearances, and like he's he's golden. Vote for you me know, and, and and make your friends vote for me too. <laughs> like yeah, okay, vote for done. me and campa- campaign for me. Yeah, done. Give, like give it's me just, your like, literally done. Also, Instead of you, like, why do you want to be the governor? Go- being a governor sucks. It's, it's really weird. Yeah, I I have no idea why he's trying to get this like very very minor office, like this <laughs> like gubernatorial scepter of power that like he does. Some, he does know. this like speech towards the end of like this is the stepping stone for taking over the world and enslaving mankind and I'm like dude you were like the jump between being the governor of New York and taking over the it's- world and subjugating mankind is a like you got to have you got to fill in some details like there's probably better ways to approach this talk yeah, to Magneto it- maybe and we don't we don't even know if it's New York like this could be you know like New Jersey or something this could be anywhere in New England That's, you're, you're yeah. absolutely right yeah like it is it is that. such a it's such a baby step um, yeah. I, I do like the scene where uh, Kilgrave forces these kids. He's got them like strapped in chairs and is brainwashing them, like actively brainwashing them. Uh, but he's going to use them to break into the governor to force the governor to resign. But like, it's a government building. Like, it, you could probably just made an appointment with the governor and they went in there with their mind control powers. Like, you're a the member fact of the that he community. Needs these specific kids. So these are these are all kids that are the exterminators. They show up. They become members of New Mutants and stuff. And these are kind of fun cameos, right? Yeah. So we got Rusty. We get Skids. Uh, Skids mm-hmm. can create force fields. Mm-hmm. She does slide around on them sometimes, but that is like her primary power here. They need her to like take out the guards, yeah, so she her, slides past them. Like her and, and boom boom, her. which whose whose power is literally boom boom. Like that's yeah, that's creating explosions. Yeah, yeah. She she makes cherry bombs essentially. So like, why these kids? And then uh, what does Taki do during this uh, intro part? Taki distracts the guards, and then uh, d- gets into the he like he he takes care of the entrance and uh, using yeah. his wheelchair transformation powers, but. That's not the moment where Taki's going to shine. Oh yeah, we're we're, we're going to get to we're the moment where get Taki shines. Uh, like, so that's his his plan is he's like all of you kids, you know, you have a very specific role. No, you don't. Like every mutant could do every part of this job. Yeah, or, like, or, or you could have just taking out guards. Like you could have just walked to the guards and told them to let you in, dog. Like, hey, you shoot not, yourself, dog. Yeah, you like, don't. You do not need yeah. any young X Men to like. This seems so overwrought. What are it's you doing? So ridiculous. Like, hey, guard, quit your job. 
Like go like it's it, like this uh, a really good expression of this power is like if you read uh, preacher you know that's what this yeah, power go of preacher count sand has. on the beach right exactly exactly that's what I'm gonna yeah. say like go 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 tell me how many grains of sand there are in that beach you know uh, and like, just that takes care of it that person's no longer a problem for you he's obviously not like a good guy you know because he's using these kids and the kids are doing violence like this being the purple man makes no sense. This should have been like an unpowered character yes. who just had traditional brain power or uh, brainwashing abilities, like some sort of technological brainwashing ability, right? Like where yeah. you, it, it took a long time, like where he has to sit them in these devices, which is what they, it really feels like maybe the purple what man happens. Thing. You think there was yeah. just an animation error and they accidentally colored it purple a couple <laughs> like of times. <laughs> so they were like, no, we got a guy. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it, it's the, uh, or just like they have loyalty to him because they're adopted. Like what if you did this story where, they were adopted and purple man gives them, or, you know, the Zebediah gives them everything they want. Like they get candy and toys and all this stuff. And because they had such a shitty time in the orphanage, they're willing to do this stuff. Like you like Fagan's like artful Dodgers yeah, kind sure. of thing. Like they, they feel indebted. So they're going to do these crimes because, you know, they didn't want to be orphans. Yeah. Like the superpower angle ruins this story so bad as much, as much as it's cool to have uh, this cameo, like it just makes nothing make sense. You know, it, it really it, it it does not. And he he, bring, he brings Rusty to this thing, too. And Rusty just literally lights like makes a firewall, like a literal wall of fire, not like a yeah. like a piece of equipment. That's a firewall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rusty installs a Cisco 7901 <laughs> and <laughs> programs it to block any kind of incoming port traffic. Uh, yeah, he makes this stuff like a literal wall of fire to block the guards out while Kilgrave goes in and tells the governor to give him the contract. <laughs> yeah, he's the, the governance contract. I don't know. What this is, it's very weird. I think they were relying on the fact that kids just wouldn't understand how government works. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, like I we, think, we've outgrown this story. Like, I'm, I not, think I'm not convinced the writers know how government works. <laughs> <laughs> like, no shade being thrown, but in 92, maybe they just didn't care to look it up. Like, I didn't know a lot about local government until I started, like, having to deal with local governments a lot for my job. So, <laughs> yeah, I, knew, I, I still, I know almost nothing about it still. I just know enough. Like more than this, you know enough to write a bad X Men animated series episode. About it. <laughs> I know, I know enough to know this is bad. <laughs> oh um, man, Scott and Jean oh. start getting kind of suspicious about this kill. Scott and character. Sarah. Scott and excuse me. What, I mean, she Ooh, was you, just you like, said Scott yeah. and Jean. Look, it's I even did. in the notes. It's even you in the notes. To, you had to move on, Jeremy. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't let her go. She's not Jean. She's, she's Jean. <laughs> uh, uh, Scott and Sarah go over there to kind of see what's going down with Kilgrave. Um, but yeah, um, it's uh, sorry. Um, so this is when Scott totally comes over and Kilgrave is Kilgrave is putting on his human makeup, uh, and That's all the kids are all step Stepford wives, like they're like playing piano and baking cookies, and like yes, father treats us ever so good. Yeah, Taki is yeah. playing like this like long piano music that's really really funny. And uh, here here's the other thing that I don't get with these villains. So Scott walks in, Kilgrave allows him to come in, shows him that all of the kids are fine. And instead and of just then instead reveals of, himself, and then reveals himself, he snaps his fingers, and Taki just comes over with his wheelchair and just runs the fuck over Scott Summers. <laughs> in one of my favorite scenes in this comic, in this cartoon ever, I just love he hits him so hard he flies into a brick wall. <laughs> it's really good, um, and it it just makes no sense for Kilgrave to do that because he presumably like Scott's not the sharpest tool in the shed. Like he wasn't like hmm something's wrong. You know, he was just kind of confused by these kids being so nice to him. Like maybe he would have come back later and investigated or something like that. But like he just, you know, uh, uh, Purple Man just needs to get to the chorus. Once they run him over, they put him face down in a swimming pool, and that's where the the thing ends and begins. And it's really great looking. <laughs> like it's, it's like, hey kids, Scott Summers is dead, floating in a pool. 
It's uh, and also you just you just threw him in a pool. Like you're gonna have to clean that up later. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're a super villain. You don't have a like a like a thing to throw like a river to throw him down. That's gonna take him to the bay. To throw him into. You know, like if you want him to die from drowning, you could also just make sure he dies like significantly earlier than that. Like Rusty, <laughs> take him out to the the fire pit and set him on fire. Yeah, and you, I don't want to. And then purple eyes flash, and you're gonna okay, yes sir. Huh. Right away, Mister Kilgrave. <laughs> Done. Torch him. Um, man, yeah, Kilgrave it's, it's, is the worst villain that we we fought so far. That's fucking saying something, man. He's really stupid. He's like, really this, dumb. Like this is some of the worst villaining that we've seen on the show. Of course, uh, as uh, Scott is dying, he does see Gene, and uh, he like Gene comes down from the heavens and starts making out with him. And uh, no, no, that's actually just Sarah trying to give him mouth to mouth. So, yeah, good, good job, yeah. Scott. Um, yeah. I, um, so, so Scott at this point, you know, Scott's awake, so he's gonna do superhero shit. At this point, sure. he busts in the, the the basement, frees all the kids, um, and they're about th- this point. He decides to try to get a new wife again. Uh, him and Sarah are about to make out when Kilgrave shows up in a helicopter. Yep. Um, which like for a little while, I thought this was Takis like had transformed his wheelchair into a helicopter and I was way into it, but that's not the, uh, no, no, the they did not. That did not happen. Unfortunately, which is a real big bummer to me. Yeah. Yep, yep. But no, uh, and, that, and this is the problem is that, uh, Kilgrave is part of the community. So even though they know they, they've busted out these kids, right? Like as soon as Scott woke up, he went and like just exploded at a wall and went to the basement and ex- got all these kids and left. <laughs> like that was, yeah. his pl- that was his plan. It was, he worked really well without a whole team of people for once. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when Kilgrave yeah. shows up at the orphanage, the problem is like, Hey, like, how are we going to convince this, the public that this really nice guy that it, it has been, you know, publicly nice is this really bad guy. Oh, there's a reporter here, and now he's in a helicopter shooting the orphanage. Okay, that's easy. That's done. <laughs> like, it's just why is there a reporter there, right? Like, what is? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a Kilgrave's whole thing is just like if anything starts to go wrong at all, he just flips the table. Like he doesn't, you know. At this point, like he immediately just is gonna like I'm gonna show up with a helicopter with guns and stuff, and like just show my entire hand. You know, and there happens to be reporters there. Even if there weren't reporters there, like reporters would show up. You know, it wasn't like uh, these explosions were just going to go unnoticed. So, like, he just doesn't. You know, he's very quick to give up. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, but he does succeed in exploding the entire orphanage, and you know, <laughs> have to go in there and save more kids from the fire. <laughs> God, yeah, Kilgrave is yeah. such a dick in this episode, <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah. Well, these are the tales of He's not quite as like rapey as he can be, so at least he's got that going for him. It's weird that you think that like uh, Kilgrave dealing with a bunch of kids somehow makes it better because he doesn't like none of the sexual stuff comes up with him. Yeah, which is great, yeah. That that's you know? I'm I'm glad that they don't get into any of that stuff. And uh, I mean, yeah. even, like it's it's always very very creepy. Like it's that's that's always like the the terrifying fear of that of Kilgrave's yeah. power of let, making him do whatever he wants, uh, or you know, making you do whatever he wants you to do. That's that's fucking terrifying. Yeah, it's a really gross power. You know, it's like I, I always like the idea of it, but like the one again with Preacher, which is not like I've as I've gotten older, I've there's some like problems with Preacher, but I loved it growing up. And one of the things is there's just no intersection with that. You know, it just never comes up. Mm-hmm. Like the main character would never do that because he's, you know, ostensibly the hero. Like you don't give villains mind control powers like that though, because then some shitbird writer is gonna come along and be like, What's the most villainous thing? Sex death. Sex. 
and then just make it really gross. You know, and then you run into stuff like Purple Man and the Mandrill and things like that, and it's just gross. Uh, you know, so was, heroes having that power is interesting and good. Or like, you know, non-superhero, non-hero villain dynamics. You can do that well, which like Preacher, for all Preacher's problems, like it does that well. Um, I don't think the Purple Man has done that well, other than Alias. And Alias very specifically addresses and zags away from the sex stuff. Yeah. You know, it says, oh, it wasn't sex. It was worse. And it's like, well, like, it's it's a little problematic for Brian Bendis to be like, what he did was actually worse than rape. Like, I don't really want to hear Brian Bendis say what is or is not yeah, worse is, than yeah, rape. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's the... You know, that's so it's still not perfect. <laughs> it gets still... Did you ever read... He did... Um, There's a Secret Wars... Uh, it, was, it was called Secret Wars. It wasn't really Secret Wars that came around in, like, 2005 or something. Um, It was about uh, Nick Fury, like, getting a group of... A team of people to like take out Latveria and it was not very good. And Brian mm-hmm. Menace wrote it. And there's this whole thing with Wolverine where Wolverine talks about having his memory erased mm-hmm. from uh, Nick Fury. And like, there's this panel with Wolverine being like, he raped me and like comparing having his memory erased to that. And it's like, it's so gross. It's... And I was 25 and was like, that's fucked up, dude. Like Brian Bendis, I do not need to hear you say what, you know, again, what is better or worse than rape. Like, I don't. I don't think that. Like, I'm not going to be someone that says, "Hey, this dude can't write a story about rape." But like, I really, I don't care about people about you know. I care about dudes writing their opinions about rape. Like, I just no. don't. I just and like 98 percent of the circumstances. Like, don't at me about the two percent or whatever. Like, I don't give a shit. But like, for a majority of the people out there, I don't need your opinion pieces on this shit. Like, I just, I'm no. just not going to read them. No, it um, is too. Uh, it is everything is gross about it. Like it is, uh, you know, the idea that like you're you're using this as a cheap, you know, you're just using it as the nuclear option. You know, it's just the worst thing. And so, like, you know, people would respond to that criticism and be like, "Well, they're not saying it's good. They're not making light of it. They're saying it's really bad." But it's inauthentic. Like, it's not. You know, this person doesn't have. And me, I don't know uh, uh, Brian Bendis's history. Like, it's possible that he has history with sure. sex assault. But like him making Wolverine compare mind control to it is not a respectful treatment of it, you know, by any means. You know, so. we had to deal, uh, on, on my other podcast about supernatural, there's an episode where this dude has mind control powers given to him by demons. And we're not going to go too far into that. Cause it, you, you're not, you're going to hate it. But, um, they, they present this one dude as kind of this happy go lucky guy that has this power. And he's like, you know, but they, they clearly show him leaving this, this apartment building, uh, with this beautiful woman in the window, like waving at him. And then he meets a guy on the street and the guy gives him his coffee cup. And then he like sees another dude and the dude gives him the keys to his car. So he's clearly using this for evil, but the, the episode, like, presents this twin brother the secret twin brother who also has this power who's real shitty about it so like it's mm. supposed to like make this other guy look good and like the, the entire time i was like that other guy is still a shitbag like he was yeah. still <laughs> sleeping with people with this power like don't forget about this like there's different degrees of shitbags but he's definitely a shitbag he's definitely yeah. used this for badness like so, and i really so much don't like- of, yeah or sorry to cut you off it's just like that that's <clears throat> runs into just because you know, as much as I'm sick of talking about it, it becomes a good example of a lot of problems. Like it's the Dark Souls three thing where like people try to get you to care about different shades of black, you know, like something is already past the uh, terminal velocity for how shitty it can be, or how mm-hmm. bad it can be, how evil it can be. And then someone's like, what if it's a little bit more evil? You know, if, if you want to do play with those kind of shades, don't start out that evil. You know, yeah, like exactly. It's just, uh, you know, just to be like, what is blacker than black? Like, what is the, you know, the darkest, evilest thing? And then it was even more evil. Like, if you set yourself up in that kind of arms race with your villainy, you're going to lose. You're yeah, going to come off like a clown because it's, it's, you know, it just becomes silly at a certain point, and your characters that you're setting up as for comparison end up suffering as well. So, 
And if you cared about your, if you actually write decent characters and you have like characters that the reader cares about or the viewer or whatever, like the characters that your audience cares about, then you don't have to put them in those dire positions to, to get your audience to care about them. Like you can put them in just somewhat troubling situations. You know, they can just be threatened with their life, like with a gun and like, Oh shit, that's serious. You know what I'm saying? Like in, in real life, that is the scariest shit. You know, exactly. Yeah. So like people can relate to that if they can relate to your characters, but it becomes kind of like in a, like it's a lot of it. I feel like even if it can't be traced to comics, comics make a really good example of it being, uh, kind of the worst of it because it, you have like, you have to do these events, you know, it's not enough for like just this, to, this to be like regular badness. We have to really sell issues, mm-hmm. you know, it's sweeps week. We have to get really good ratings. Let's make somebody die. Let's make somebody do, you know, do this very special episode. You know, and so transparent. It's such a marketing thing and not an artistic thing. Yep. Uh, for it, you know, that it's just it's a uh, yeah, it's bad story construction. That that scaling up of of threat and the conflict, like it, it just you can't keep. It's just like capitalism. You can't keep making more money all the time. It's no. not possible. Like why 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 do you want to do that? So we're in late period conflict. Exactly. Like we you know like late late period uh, uh, storytelling like. But luckily, thing. none of the TV show does this, so we don't have to worry about that at all. No, no, it's just, just a little tangent on it. But I mean, like, it's worth talking about Purple Man. Do you think that that uh, that tangent could could uh, should serve as our spotlight on, and it could be about Purple Man? Oh, we could do that. Yeah, sure, yeah. we could do because that's like Purple Man's main like thing. Like his yeah. only his only thing is the threat of like he can make you do what you want to, and so everybody's mind immediately goes to the worst thing. Yeah, and and, yeah, and that, in the comics, like in Alias and stuff, I haven't seen the show yet, and I still want to. So please don't mm-hmm. spoil anything for me. But like, uh, and I know you wouldn't do that. But I'm saying like on Twitter or anything if anybody wants to correct me. But like one of the things he does in the comic, like you can do that and uh, make it not inherently gross. Like there's a part where he's in a restaurant. And he wants to talk to somebody and concentrate. So he makes everybody in the restaurant stop breathing. Uh, so it'll be quiet, like mm-hmm. absolutely silent while he does so. And it's like, that's fine. You know, like that could be like a, a character with like, you know, uh, without mind control powers could do something very similar to that. Um, it's not gross. You just don't have to go to that all the way, like skeevy sex stuff because you don't, you don't get anything for it. You know, it doesn't seem like that does not seem so much appreciably worse for narrative purposes than killing a restaurant full of people by making them asphyxiate to me it's just kind of more scandalous like you're trading on that like you're trading on the fact that people will be offended by it and that sucks you yeah, know it's like some edgelord material it's the same reason they put boobs in jason movies right like they want they want the murder and the violence and they also want like the sex to go with it like they you know because that, that's going to titillate that's going to sell that's going to do whatever yeah and, it, <clears throat> and like nowadays it really kind of just comes off as boring and not specifically talking about anything specific but like when i watch a, a show now and it's there was a real egregious example of this on something I was watching the other day where like there was just this half naked chick in this, in the show for like no reason whatsoever that I could ascertain. And I was like, okay, like, are, who's watching this and thinking like, Oh man, finally I can get to see a half naked chick on TV. I've been waiting for this. Like what, why? Like what, what does it matter? Did you yeah, know, I, um, I was at the bar the other day and we were watching soccer, the soccer game ended and the, this drag racing thing, like official, like actual, like spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on cars, drag racing thing came on TV. Did you know that there, like there's a chick that actually like walks in front of the car still like, and then like, Oh no, they, they still <laughs> do that Gary. I could not believe, like I just was astounded. Like I, I don't, cause I don't fucking watch drag racing on a regular basis. I have no idea. Just what's popped up on the TV. Like this girl walking by with the flag, like out of every single drag race movie you've ever seen. Right. Like it's that it's just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. I knew they still do that in boxing, you know, yeah. like yeah. Uh, I knew mm-hmm. that there was still that, that thing. Yeah. But yeah, I think that I think that serves as a good character spotlight on Purple Man. So yeah, and just kind of the, the that 
you know, the whole thing. And like, you know, recognize in case anybody's just like waiting for us to make this connection. A lot of these problems exist with Xavier too. Right. Oh, so like yeah. Xavier can do this stuff too. And when we say like Xavier shitty and talk about him being unethical with his powers, like that's what we're talking about. It's, it's just, it's a thin, you know, having someone just be able to tell you what to do versus someone be able to go into your head and make you do it is not a very thick line. No. Uh, and it, you know, it's gross, you know, and, and it's kind of like credit to the comics. Like the comics deal with this kind of like repression and stuff a little bit in the dark Phoenix saga. Mm-hmm. Like it's not great, but like they do kind of deal with this kind of, you know, the, the parable or reading, you know, the Phoenix saga and the dark Phoenix saga as this woman and everyone kind of being scared and, uh, you know, being in fear of her having kind of total agency of herself, you know, and having this kind of like, the, like there's a read there. Like I've read yeah. essays about that. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time, so I don't have like the name uh, of the thing, but like, that's a, that's a common kind of analysis approach to these stories. And like the comics do kind of truck in this in a more mature way a little bit, you know, but the cartoon doesn't really. And this certainly doesn't. Yeah, no, no, not at all. And I don't, I haven't watched the, the dark Phoenix saga yet part of this, uh, of this season, but I'm, I'm looking forward to see how that, how similar that's going to be to the, the original comics. Cause it does get into some weird places. Like, you know, when she gets kind of basically mind controlled by that other dude, like, yeah, that's really yeah. creepy and gross too. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, so the helicopter is attacking. There are these reporters watching, and that's really it, right? Like that, that's that's kind of how it how it ends. Well, the um, the one last the, the the stinger is that uh, when Scott goes back to uh, well, he he shoots the helicopter too, but then oh, there's the other stinger. So like he yeah, yeah, Scott right. defeats him because he's a superhero. Like yeah, yeah, he has the power to destroy a helicopter with his eyes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and this is the point where Scott and, and and Sarah are about to make out, and Scott says, "No, no, no! I feel like I can do more. I can help more on the X Men." And I'm like, "You really think that the team of superheroes needs you more than the team of mutant kids at the orphanage <laughs> that just got shot up? <laughs> like, this is a bad decision. Yeah. You're not a good superhero. You just want to go back to your friends. That's <laughs> yeah, it. Like, <laughs> yep. You just want to close like, your eyes and pretend Rogue is Jean Grey for five minutes. That's exactly that's what you're going to try to do. You're like you're gonna find Mystique." Yeah, like, <laughs> what's up? It's, it's Cyclops. I uh, I have a favorite. Yeah. It's not the one you're thinking of. Oh, yeah. oh no, it's definitely the one you're thinking of. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you want the Logan special, huh? <laughs> like, like, the what? Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he goes back to the mansion just in time for uh, Cerebro to find to pick up a signal, and it's Jean Grey, and she's alive, and we get a good Jean right at the end. Yeah. So. It is Gene. Um, I, do, I do love uh, Wolverine's face and that little pan that they do and Beast behind him looking so fucking weird. Like Beast looks yeah. so happy and Wolverine <laughs> just looks so conflicted. It's really bizarre. It's yeah. Weird. Yeah. We can see kind of like Wolverine being uh, used to like objects of his obsession dying because he's lived for so long. Like I imagine that he would be kind of conflicted. Like there's probably a tiny, tiny little like flicker of, of, of flame inside Wolverine that was glad she was dead. You know, cause he didn't have to see her with Scott all the time and he didn't have to deal with like unrequited love. Like it was that option wasn't on the table. You know, I imagine like, I mean, I'm sure that's not what the cartoon was going for, but like <laughs> there's a read there that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Like if, like, if I can't have her, nobody can. Yeah, and they no, got no, it, I don't can. have to, I mean, I'll be honest it's with you. If you're, Wolver- if you're Wolverine, like I, there's no way you can stay on the X-Men when Gene and Scott get married. Like if you, if you're that oh, much yeah. in love with the chick, like you would have to fucking jet. Like you, there's just no way you'd have to go and be yeah. X-Force or you know, really Wolverine should go to this orphanage. He'd be great with these kids. <laughs> <laughs> be, uh, it would just be, uh, uh, 
you know, it would just be be super awkward when they eventually walked into, uh, you know, uh, the danger room where he's just killing them over and over, <laughs> yeah. like killing robot versions of them like he does. Oh, man. Wolverine and creating robot stand-ins for his emotions and killing yep. them. <laughs> yep. Um, um, you want to get to the next episode? Yeah, yeah. So again, just backload that uh, that that uh, that spotlight. Next, sure. we're going to be talking about obsession. Um, in obsession, excuse me, Archangel has become obsessed yeah, with mm. destroying Apocalypse, who he blames for ruining his life. Meanwhile, Beast has developed a new device that could contain this, none of this happens. No, contain happens. Apocalypse and allow the X Men to defeat him. Will Beast's device work? This is like this is no, very bad and inaccurate. Um, will Archangel become an ally to the X Men? Not even Archangel- question the episode. <laughs> Angel's hunger for revenge caused the destruction of both himself and the X-Men at Apocalypse's hands. Kinda? How do you uh, one, two, three, four, five, six sentences and they don't mention the one mile long sentinel ship that's pretty much like the plot crux of this whole episode? Yeah, that that definitely comes up with the plan to, you know, capture Apocalypse and Beast definitely falls in love with. Uh, oh, like in, in this two point five seconds, he's just just totally incredible. falling in love with an AI. It's ridiculous. If you, if you like Bad Beast, like oh, this, this is, is Bad this Beast, is great, yes, peak Bad Beast, man. Like you got a blind girlfriend. <laughs> Go to your blind girlfriend. Stop trying to mac on this this robot. Uh, it, it's a lot like that uh, Star Trek Next Generation episode where uh, Jordy falls in love with the hologram. And uh, it, uh, it's it's worse too. I'm gonna drop a uh, an image in our our Slack chat, but uh, it's worse too because they've got uh, Beast in like a getup for most of the episode. Like he's got like <laughs> like a like a backpack full of equipment that he's using that has glasses that go over his face. Like he just looks so dorky this entire fucking episode. It, it, it's it's an action figure variant. Yeah. Of, oh, absolutely, absolutely that. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> it's it's very good. Um, so this, I actually do like this episode. We're making fun of it, but I think this is a, a fun episode. And I like that um, one of the things that it does, and and I like it when X Men the cartoon deals with fallout from previous things, right? So like Archangel is kind of a dangling thread, mm-hmm. uh, but of course he's going to have like tons of PTSD and be like really damaged, you know. And this actually immediately starts dealing with that, and I think that's cool. So for listeners that may not remember, way back in season two, uh, Apocalypse had formed a plan to. Uh, convince mutants that he had a cure for their mutant mutant gene and uh instead instead of not actually genes <laughs> it's just not genes instead of actually curing them it turns them into his like horsemen of the apocalypse so warren worthington who whose only bad mutant power was that he had dope wings and a hot girlfriend <laughs> and a place in the fucking swiss <laughs> alps somewhere <laughs> yeah in his chalet up in the fucking swiss alps uh he decides to go get, get this treatment and he gets his his cool feathery wings ripped off and now he's all uh you know days of future cat or uh apocalypse whatever archangel yeah. so he's all purple and i didn't in this episode uh he takes off his like hat and he's still got all of his blonde hair which does that ever happen in the comics because i don't ever i thought he was just like i thought i assumed that all of the, this process of turning into archangel just removed all the hair on his body and i i don't know why i don't know why it, I assume it, it that. depends like I've, <laughs> i think i've seen him in in his blue body with blonde hair before mm-hmm. uh but i i think you could be forgiven for thinking he's he's bald you know, so like I, I, th- I think it depends. Okay, it depends well. on like who's drawing it. Um, it starts off right with him, and we see what he's been up to since season two, which is like pouring his fortune into people scouring the earth for stuff about apocalypse, which like I think is kind of cool. Like you know, they're they're finding like old hieroglyphics, they're finding like old manuscripts and stuff, and trying to find ways that, that he could be defeated. 
Which is kind of stupid because if they had found, if there were like ways he could be defeated, he'd probably be defeated. Sure. You know, yeah. so it, it's a little too simple. Like I think a more complicated version of this would be like finding information on his origin. So then Archangel could find a way for, you know, could puzzle out a way for him to be defeated, but it's a cartoon. So they kind of paper over that step. Yeah, absolutely. He's looking for a big glowing weak spot, like a video game boss. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's hired these archaeologists. Oh, wow, that's not a word. Archaeologists. Archaeologists. He's hired these archaeologists to like bring up all this stuff and dust it off, and he's not been finding anything until this one dude just wanders up and is like, "Hey, I found a scroll." Yeah. And it it clearly defines the weakness as the exact same weakness as the Titans in Attack on Titan. So just go do that. Get get your three (laughs) D maneuvering gear. And go like t- attack him on the back of the neck, which it seems like a really weird oversight for a creature that, or for a, a mutant like entity that can change his size and form at will. So, yeah, yeah, and and this is you know, <clears throat> so if you're savvy, you know this is going to be apocalypse. Yep. Um, but I kind of like. I feel like they could have made him like wink or had his eyes glow or something like that, and they don't. Mm-hmm. You know, so for, for a kid thing, I think this is a decently you know done sure. twist. Mm-hmm. Um. So the X-Men have like this apocalypse alarm that goes off. Um, apocalypse is going and uh, attacking the uh, Statue of Liberty. Well, uh, in, in, a, in an amazing string of events, right after he sees the scroll of weakness, <laughs> another guy comes up to Warren and says, hey, I just saw Apocalypse. He's in New York. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So the yeah, so, Archangel's apocalypse alarm goes off. The X-Men's yeah. Archangel. Exactly. Yeah, there's multiple systems of alarms <laughs> yeah, here. It's a series of redundancies. Um, so uh, apparently, like Apocalypse is attacking the Empire State or the uh, Statue of Liberty, or just hanging out next to it. It really just uh, seems like he's hanging out in the harbor, right? Like he was just in the his, water when the, when Apocalypse or Archangel shows up. During this, are very hard to discern what Apocalypse's goals are during this, other than get Warren Worthington back. Yeah, which he, he, you would think that is not that big of a deal like you they never really clearly tell you why archangel is so important to apocalypse because you could just make another one like there's a lot of mutants out there not all of them have cool superpowers you could just like do whatever you wanted to to them you could give a human like metal wings and give him archangel's powers because they tore off his his feather wings yeah you could give a human warren's old wings and really fuck him up like (laughs) yeah Yeah. go deep man let's do it yeah set him up with warren's ex girlfriend any, anything um, is better than like literally sitting in the water, sitting on the dock of the Bay of New York, right? <laughs> <laughs> just, just coming out of the fucking East Bay, just like stinking. Um, so, so the X Men come to go help uh, this thing, and uh, you know he's fighting. Uh, Apocalypse is, is is fighting, you know, uh, uh, Archangel. Archangel's not doing a great job. He just like he keeps throwing these metal blades at Apocalypse, literally for the entire episode, hoping that like one of them is going to get through. Um, it's never going to happen. And, uh, then we get into this kind of fun fight here. Yeah, this is actually like the X-Men show up and, um, it's actually a fun fight. Like the animation is pretty good. Like the, Mm -hmm. the action sequences are great. The X-Men do a relatively credible job of unique, uniquely using their powers and subduing apocalypse for unfortunately only about 0.5 seconds. Yeah. Like they get him down. They've got like a chain across of him. They're, you know, they're using their powers together. So like rogue is knocking him in the foot while another character is knocking him in the head to get him to go down. You know, Wolverine is slashing up stuff or trying to slash up, but they they can't really make a scratch on apocalypse. So no, they can't. Yeah. They can't get through them at all. Um, 
so eventually this kind of annoy apocalypse until he leaves i guess yeah that's that's um, essentially it they were like okay well i'm done i'm leaving yeah. and he just like literally goes into the sky <laughs> yeah yeah you know, just leaves. um so they go back to their base and uh rogue is like you know rogue has been uh involved in this apocalypse stuff so she's like you know i understand like warren's still out there i get it you know like well, I was also a victim of this, and more importantly, like in the at the climax of the last time we fought Apocalypse, she actually used her powers on on an Archangel. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. So she, so she, that, she, she knows. Yeah, yeah, she she knows that he's in there, and it's not just the <clears throat> the evil inside him or whatever. So yeah, and the she reason a, since she or since she has that connection, she also knows Gambit's bullshitting when Gambit tries to talk her out of it because she's been she's used his powers, taken his powers as well. Cause he comes up and he's like, you know, she's like, Warren's still in there. And he goes, he, he not in there. He now Leonge de Mort now and forever. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's really good. Oh man. The gambit. Leonge de Mort. The gambit in this episode is good gambit. Yuri. Like I love it. It's, I, it's, oh man. It is good gambit. He could be, he could be like, he's not as his all time skeeviest, but like, it's not great. <laughs> Like, no, it's really not and, and there's definitely it, a little bit of jealousy throughout all of this because oh uh, totally in, in one of the next scenes uh rogue is like kind of tending to warren and like trying to wipe his head down with a rag or whatever and, like he's yeah. kind of b- brushing her off and gambit's at the door like creepily staring at the, them having this conversation <laughs> he could literally just walk in and say hi like it's yeah. his place <laughs> i'm an x-man too i help you now you know? i clean this infirmary i could walk in here anytime i want yeah gambit wash your feet Um, (laughs) it just doesn't happen though so like you know he's just kind of cranking and here's here's a thing that i'm going to say that's possibly controversial is that gambit's totally right uh during this entire episode like he's he's right for the wrong reasons but like he's you know this i think this is meant to be a kind of a hero turn for gambit like showing him as being very insightful because uh warren worthington is fucking psycho (laughs) Like, yeah, he's he's a crazy person, and we, if you didn't yeah. like, we didn't talk about it, but at one point, his archaeologist buddies uh, were like, "Hey, you know, we can only stare at this so much that we probably think nothing's there. We're leaving. We're out of here." And he's like, "No, no, no! Yeah. If you leave, I'm going to kill you." So he's, yeah. he's like, yeah. "Obsession is the name of the episode, y'all." Like it's it's he, there. He's a supervillain. Yeah, he's he's absolutely a supervillain. Yeah. Um, he he's decides, the horseman of death. Uh, like he's not just any supervillain. Like he's the horseman of fucking death. He's, he's like, literally the horseman of death. Yeah. Um, the uh. The the X Men have used their new Shi'ar technology to discover this ship and immediately think that it's a sentient ship, a sentient <laughs> ship. This I have no idea what's happening here. What like, it when, doesn't it, <laughs> like? What is this beast? Just like immediately like, oh, we it's know there's a, there's a mile long sentient ship. Uh, it's alive and can talk to us. It will know how to kill Apocalypse. Like, and this comes out what? of nowhere. We're at eight minutes and twenty seconds into the the episode. Or so, and we've already had like a pretty lengthy fight. All this establishing stuff, like they do not do the exposition necessary to make this work. I have no, I had no idea what was going on. All I knew is that you could you could hear an audible hard on from Beast as soon as he yeah. knew there was a mile long sentient ship. <laughs> like like it, um, there was a pop. Like, like there was. Yeah. A- <laughs> It's a, uh, it's very intense. There's a, you know, again, this is being kind of a Gambit highlight episode as well. They're like, where do we hide something like that? And Gambit goes, who knows? Deep pockets? Alert. Or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Like he makes, you know, makes kind of a joke about, you know, uh, it makes a joke about it and everything, you know, but they're just like, we're going to put all our money on the ship. Like if there is an invisible sentient ship, it will definitely know how to kill apocalypse. Yep. Because like why? Why? What are you talking about? 
Lord. Well, and they they and like Xavier even says like, oh, there was you know there's history going back for decades for uh, you know thousands of years about this ship that would appear in the sky, but this has to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, this came out of nowhere. If this ship is is if this ship is is what you say it is, like Apocalypse already owns it. Like he's already got that shit covered. Otherwise, it would have killed him already. Like what the fuck is any of this? Uh, yeah. But they decide they form this plan and they rush in to get Rogue so that Rogue can help them with their plan and say that they've discovered this ship uh, and also Apocalypse is on the run he's going a different direction so they say you know we're gonna we're gonna we're not gonna attack him directly because we can't we can't hurt him directly and Archangel is having none of that shit he's like I don't have time to play at war and just opens up the sky roof <laughs> yeah I mean yeah and just zoom. This, Zooms out the skylight window and just leaves. Why do you have a skylight window in there, dog? <laughs> That's not a good place. Why is your medical bay on the top floor of the Xavier Mansion? <laughs> it's very, it's real strange. I'm, I'm ninety percent sure it's not too. I'm sure that's been established somewhere else. Oh yeah, yeah. I you mean, know, I'm, I don't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bother looking up a diagram, but it's definitely not. You know. Um. No. He said the top floor is definitely storms, like you know. Yeah, that, that's her like thing. her atrium. <laughs> yeah, her yeah. atrium thing. Anyway, yeah, it's, uh, it's super. So Rogue chases after after uh, Warren, thinking like, okay, he needs my help. I can't just let him go out here alone. And then Gambit just disappears too to go after Rogue. So like they're yeah, already down two team jet. members. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so the rest of the team like go to or go ahead. What were you gonna say? I just love that Gambit can fly a fighter jet like in this universe. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> well, everyone can. I, uh, like it is a weird thing, but it's established in the next episode that Jubilee can as well. We uh, um, we had a friend over uh, this weekend, and she was telling us that she met this 27-year-old dude in New Orleans. She lives in New Orleans, and she met this 27-year-old, and uh, he, she said he's a 27-year-old fighter pilot. And I was like, Monica, like you can't believe a dude when he tells you he's a fighter pilot. Like, she's, <laughs> like, this definitely, he's definitely not. She's like, no, 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 I didn't believe him either until he showed me a picture of him in front of the plane, a picture of him in, fr- in the plane. Then he showed me his military ID, and I was like, okay, okay, maybe okay. he was a fighter pilot. But seriously, don't believe anybody else. <laughs> I mean, need three forms of fighter pilot ID before I realize you're not just <laughs> right? trying to fuck the basement. Like, yeah, yeah that's a, that's that's definitely a, an easy one to to avoid. But yeah, so the X Men take off and uh, they arrive at the ship. And- yeah, there, there's the the rest of because uh, it's not everybody. There's I feel like there's some real missing X Men in this because like Storm doesn't show up during so this. There, I don't think there's a there's a line. Uh, I thought it was in this episode uh, where. They ask like where everybody else is, is, and Wolverine says something to the extent of like they're in Muir Island, uh, poking at Jean like she's some sort of lab rat because oh, Cyclops, gotcha. is, Cyclops is gone, Storm is gone. Yeah. Uh, so I think this is a, a, a yeah, victim of our continuity her. thing because we just we we don't yes. in the next two episodes after this we don't really see any Jean action either. No, <laughs> uh, it's just, yeah, it's, you like the Jean <laughs> action, there, don't you? Uh, yeah, yeah, it doesn't. Uh, you're right. Like I think that that is what's going on. So like they're supposed to be uh, dealing with her weird cocoon. Yeah. Um so so ship team uh shows up which is Beast, um Wolverine and uh who else is on the ship? I, I have it in my notes as Cyclops. Uh so I guess Cyclops is there. So Yeah, so, so there's three people on the ship. Mm-hmm. Um and I the the ship is just kind of like, you know, yes, I am a sentient ship and Beast immediately is just like, "Oh, no my god." You know, like this is this is literally what I've been fantasizing about my entire life. Um and kind of goes back and forth with the ship kind of flirting with it. Uh, it's ridiculous. It is a hundred percent ridiculous. And he's like flirting with it is, is, is the answer there. Like he is actively flirting with this robot person. Yeah. It's not actually a person. I, spoiler. Like when the ship dies at the end, beast cries 
You know what he didn't cry about when his blind girl, when he like left his blind girlfriend who is a human. Uh, uh, no, no tears when Gene died either. Gary. Yeah. <laughs> just want to shine that in. All he did was write died. some shitty poetry. <laughs> Man, I do not. Or I actually totally do want to read his robot poetry. Like the poetry that comes from this breakup. Oh my God. Like, like this is, this is where GLaDOS came from, right? Like some Eric Walpal found this poetry. It was like, I can do better than this. <laughs> Ah, uh, man, beast, you're bad. You're terrible, um, beast. You're so bad. I don't uh, like you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, he, the, the, the ship is like, we can do a trap for apocalypse, and he's like, indubitably. And then they, they create the trap, but it's actually a trap for the X Men. Because of course it is, because this is apocalypse ship, which they fucking knew. <laughs> they just walk onto the ship. Do you, we didn't even talk about how they get onto it, by the way. Beast literally asks the ship, "Can we board you?" And the ship says, "Absolutely. Thank you for asking politely, <laughs> Hank McCoy." Oh, absolutely, you can. Thank you for acquiring my consent. Oh my the, god, um, this is so it's, terrible. It's weird and gross. Um, so the, uh, this and this just continues. So like Rogue and and Archangel are flying, and Archangel, uh, I don't I don't know what this is to to an end to. Like he's like, you know, pledge to me your heart and soul. Like, Give me your everything. And she's like, uh, I, I maybe, I guess like she responds like the way you should. What is he talking about? Like, is I he trying no to start idea. like a miniature horseman under himself? Man, he's, like, he's just so, franchise? he's so far gone. And maybe this is an example of that, but I don't even know what this would give him. Like, well, like, that's the it, thing, it, right? Like, what does that mean? It, you know, he's like, there's no time for half measures rogue, you know, give me your heart and your soul. And I'm like, what? Who? okay <laughs> like yeah i, I followed you over she's here like, she's like all right like she knows that this is just talk you know it's and and just kind of like goes along with it but i don't know what this what this means it's not like he has a plan to use rogue's powers that will put her in harm or anything mm-hmm. they just they just go up to apocalypse and punch it and throw feathers at it which is all they ever do to it yeah to and apocalypse so, does not i mean like there's nothing happening there like he quickly you know just knocks these two dudes to the side can yeah. gambit shows up and you know starts shooting at him with the the, the jet which is cool gambit work but like that doesn't do anything either no he distracts them though they were, he was gonna like crush rogue or whatever yeah and gambit yeah. saves saves her which is great um so uh then we go into the ship um the ship helps cyclops beast and wolverine get out of the trap mm-hmm. um by essentially just giving them instructions that involve like cutting a hole out the door and jumping out real quick yeah, this none, none of this really made sense to me either. Like, it's because the ship is basically saying, like, "Oh, I didn't know that was a trap that Apocalypse set for you, but here, let me help you get out of this trap." Which is well, it's a machine. Like, it can it cannot know. It could be lying this entire time, but the fact that they instantly believe the ship, everything <laughs> it says, is just so weird to me. <laughs> You're absolutely like, if, right. If like I hated so somebody and they had a robot, I wouldn't instantly trust their robot. Hey, this you know, guy like built, they, a, they built a robot. robot. Do, do you want to talk to it? No. <laughs> do you want to do everything it says? Ugh. Like, no. Like, it should be speaking with Apocalypse's voice. You know, like, uh, you should think of this as Apocalypse himself. Warren shows up, who has chased Apocalypse here. Apocalypse shows up, number one. Um, and a, this and Beast, like, redoes his trap, and the trap actually works. Like, it traps uh, Apocalypse into this force field, and he can't get out. The idea being, yeah. like, we can't kill him. But now he can't leave here. So now he's just, we're just going to put food Let's in trap there. trap him inside Beast's girlfriend. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully he doesn't just fill the thing up with shit. <laughs> like, hopefully he doesn't yeah. have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Like, the cleaning on this is going to be really weird. Like, that's going to be a little strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a pop, but Warren shows up, or Archangel shows up, and he is pissed. 
he immediately starts attacking Apocalypse, which isn't working because he's, you know, there's a force field around him. When he yeah. realizes the computer is holding the, is creating the force field, he kills the, com- he shoots the computer. Like he blows up this console and Beast is like, computer. Or no, I think he, does it Beast just call the ship ship the entire time and never bothers to ask the name? Ship. Yeah. ship, are you still there? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's very upset. We should mention, and we forgot this, but when Archangel and Rogue are attacking Apocalypse, this is when he tries to attack his weak spot and finds out it's fake. Oh, so yeah, there's there's yeah, even less true. motivation for Archangel to be like, I need to get him out of this. He's back to square one. Yeah, like he doesn't true. need to get him out of this uh, force field. And um, it's also the part where they're doing that fight. And I don't think we mentioned this just if people are experiencing the show vicariously through us. Most of these fights, other than this one inside the ship, Apocalypse has been the size of the Statue of Liberty. Yes, like he's been he's been in giant mode, which is really cool. Um, he also has this really baller line that I want to point out, where like you know he keeps this whole time he's trying to tempt uh, Archangel back into the fold, mm-hmm. and he says uh, there is no freedom from me, there is only freedom through me, which is some like cool you know that's a, that's a badass line I think. Well, there's a, there's a line at the beginning too where he said, uh, "Yeah, I may have made a slave out of you, but you're a slave of courage." Which yeah, that, that's a less good line. <laughs> that's a less good line. <laughs> but, but like apocalypse, like, what what I don't understand any of your motivations. I don't like you've been around for thousands of years. There's literally hieroglyphics that are talking about you. Like what? Why have you he's, not figured this shit out by now? He's as the the best will in the world. Again, like this is me going for my no prizes. He's trying to break Warren Worthington because we find out he leaked that, uh, you know, the weakness. Mm-hmm. He's trying to demoralize Warren Worthington enough to get him back. Like if I can break his spirit entirely, you know, and he's on a long enough timeline, you know, him doing this over the course of a year isn't even a big deal. You know, like I want this loyal servant. It will help me in my goals. You know, so I think I think that's what's going on. I think I would prefer for to keep the one mile long sentient ship and not let the X Men board it, as opposed to just get worn, right? Like, yeah, it, it's it's pretty silly. <laughs> um, th- this fight, the the fight is actually pretty good, right? Like, once the like all of the animation here is actually really really fun, and it's like yeah. people flying around, they're using their powers in really unique ways. Like all of this stuff is it's it's, it's quality animation. Like this is a good time to to watch this stuff. I'm I'm having I'm enjoying watching this. Uh, yeah, the up, fight in the uh, in the next episode we're doing with the Iceman episode is my favorite fight in the series so far. Yeah, it's and really, that really fight's good. really good. And like the Cassidy Heat fight's good too, but that that one is excellent as well. Um, but there's a point where he he throws Rogue on top of Gambit. And Gambit, with the perfect opportunity, Rogue is sitting in his lap with the perfect opportunity to make some sort of comment. What does he do, Gary? He, he says, it's about time you laid off that fried chicken, Cher. He calls uh, her fat. He calls her yeah, heavy. About time you lay out that fried chicken, Cher. He negs her, like, Gary. That's so yeah, fucking he, frustrating. He, he definitely gives her a neg. And not of, like, Rogue is not fat. Like, not no. that would make it okay, but, like, it's such a, it makes it sillier. And he's, this is the whole episode he's been like, I'm going to get it on jet trying to save you i'm trying to save you from archangel like it just makes it under you know it uh invalidates like all of the the kind of good or romanticness of what he was trying to do before yeah you know it's and it's just i don't think that's actually the text you know the the, the implied text i think it's just the the writers making a cheap joke sure yeah i mean you know? and that's and it's a saturday morning cartoon like it's hard to it's hard to re- re- realize like this is not for 35 year old dudes like sitting in the re- <laughs> yeah, recording so, podcast that's not what this podcast totally is totally show by date on this shit yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's it was just a joke for kids to think it was funny yeah you but know? still like and, just, and learn about shitty gender roles and, and bring them into their regular life and be shitty boyfriends and you know it was just a joke to make the world worse um, gambit did it it's gotta it. be good he's a superhero yes. <laughs> yes. Smack no kids him no on the back of the hand uh no uh, so, uh, but yeah, uh, it, it's it's a real, no, it's a, it's a it's a it's a thing. 
throughout this entire process, like Apocalypse has control of the ship, and as he's fighting the X Men, uh, Beast kind of skitters away because Ship, as she is known, <laughs> yeah. is, uh, <laughs> not didn't even bother giving her a name or uh, giving it a name. Uh, whispers to Beast and like, hey, I think I've got a way to uh, get Apocalypse's control away from him. So and uh, tells him to go do these things and like he's clicking on stuff and it's very, very bad. Like all of the, yeah. none of that stuff is very good at all. He's got his full like geek uniform on. It's it's really, really dumb. Uh, but There's it, a part it, where like when they do this, when the ship says something like, I'm feeling something I've never felt before. Satisfied. Or something like that. Like there is a explicitly sexual orgasm line. It's that happens really weird. Who, like who has the robot fetish in, in the early nineties, man? Who's, <laughs> who's that guy? Who this or, or that He's person? Like, who's that person? Like I'm not going to rule out that it could be a girl with a robot fetish, but just just to make it even grosser, it's not like a human on robot. It's beast on robot. Like there's no there's no human element to this pairing. <laughs> like it is just a monster and a and a a computer. And like what if a monster and a computer fucked? Like this is some freaky shit. This is the future that liberals want, man. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Like uh, Ugh, just anything can fuck anything and marry anything anytime they want to. Yeah, where's the line? You get beast fucking a computer. You get long shot fucking a cape. Um anywho, the uh so they're still trying to fight Apocalypse. They can't. The fight continues on. Yeah. Um, Warden Worthington's being pretty obnoxious and, and not getting through. The, his metal, metal feathers will never do it. Like, he's never going to get through Apocalypse. Um, but the ship goes into this self-destruct mode, um, kind of, like, trapping everybody. Like, everyone's going to be trapped. There's a really great little scene here where, like, Gambit tries to charge the wall that he's trapped, and he can't. It won't take the charge, which, like, that's not how that works, I don't think. Um, but then pan over to the other side of the wall. And he does uh, give, He does give the camera a good gym look after that happens. He's like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it pans over to the other side of the wall, and Wolverine is clawing the wall, and Rogue is flying above him, punching it really fast. Mm-hmm. And it looks like uh, she's riding on his shoulders. <laughs> like yeah it's really good like and they're just like hyper punching it but they can't can't get through eventually beast gets shipped to save them though yeah she or it opens up the whatever and like they can get out um throughout all of this uh apocalypse has sealed himself in some weird looking space pod and he gets shot out into space like away from the earth as the as the ship just crumbles so they're presumably not hurting anybody or causing any major environmental damage (laughs) because nobody talks about that, but yeah, it just blows up in the, in the sky and then falls. And then all of the X-Men leave because that's what happens. And beast Uh, cries. Beast Beast literally sheds a bunch of tears about, uh, his like robot. I keep saying robot, but like that implies a degree of anthropomorphication. Like there's no, it's a, it's a space. It's a panel. Like he's, it's like literally like a sci-fi panel that he's fallen in love with. Yeah. It's really bizarre. Like there's no, there is no persona. There is no, like you said, there's, there's no like body that he sees. Yeah. Like it's just, it's literally a panel or like a wall thing. And then the panel at one point gets blow blew up, blown up. Like we mentioned. And she's, it's still talking to him. Like, where's this? Oh, and, and I, like, there's no, there's no part of him that was just kind of like, here, jump on this flash drive, you know, like, it, it, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. It just seems like if you were really in love with this thing, I understand that like apocalypse is about, so you don't have tons of time to think it through, but like it, this is a weird episode of this show, Jeremy. <laughs> it really is, it's bizarre. And it's not necessarily bad. Like all of this is like, no, no, the, the action it's, it's, is extremely good. And yeah, like, again, it's all well rendered. Like it's all really good, but it's just, it's just so wacky. And like, it doesn't even really feel like an X-Man story besides that they get to fight apocalypse for a little bit. Like it just feels like, yeah. a, 
and a, 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 some of these episodes, especially the one-off episodes that don't have you know five parters or or whatever, feel like that sometimes. Where it's just not even, just doesn't even feel like it has anything to do with the X Men. Like what is like they don't even get into a supervillain plot. Like their plot is just Warren is angry. Apocalypse <laughs> isn't doing anything. I know. Like, I mean, again, again, like his plot. If if I want to be kind, <laughs> is to is to tempt Warren back in, and it's like the X Men helping out their buddy Warren. You know who is the angel of death like is not, you know, he was not an old X-Men in this continuity. We find out who the old X-Men are in this. Um, and we should, we should mention too, that after apocalypse goes into space, Warren does not take a breather. He doesn't like, no. Oh, well that's, that's fall for a little bit. I can go f- finally go back to my chalet for a little while. No, he's still just as angry. I'll follow him to the ends of the earth through perdition's fire until he breathes blood and rolls over split broken. Dude, he's in space. Take a break. Like you yeah, can't go into space. Like Warren, Warren in space is, is is what I want. And Rogue is still kind of sympathetic. Um, you know, all that stuff I think is is fun and fun and fine, right? Like sure. I like that. I I really do like that. It's dealing with the fallout of their things. Like one of the things this cartoon does really well is that like things don't wrap up neatly. You know, in general, like it's like oh, like there's still problems. Like they have to deal with you know the psychological effects of this terrible thing. Um, you know, Cyclops has to deal with his wife, you know, his fiance dying, like things like that. Like, I really like that. Yeah. Um, that's, that's very good. Um, it is just, uh, I don't know. It is, it's real goofy. Is the It's goofy. And like the, the, the actual like mechanics of the plot are usually so bad, you know, like it's just like the villains don't have any motivations. Like nobody's plan to make sense. All the X-Men turn into idiots who forget their powers like instantly. You know, at least at know. least Rogue punches things like that's a. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. That's, I don't think Gambit charged up anything in this entire episode. He just used a fighter pilot and then called called Rogue jet. fat. Like that was yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so they they are like these are good. I like both these episodes uh, for those reasons I mentioned, but they are also ridiculous. Yeah, agreed. Um, and this is going to go for the next episode we do too, where it's two other, uh, you know, two kind of other one-offs. one-offs the, yeah, 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 and uh. But that's going to do us for today. I think. Yeah, I think I'm pretty much done talking about those two episodes for the rest of my life. I yeah, I don't. I don't have anything else to say. All these things, all these elements come back as well. I think sure. we do get uh, Scott's orphanage. We know. I know we get more apocalypse episodes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, this is not the last we've seen of him. No, not at all. Um, but thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, thank you, everybody, for subscribing and downloading all the other all the other episodes. We really appreciate it. Um, Pretty much the home of the podcast is daysoffuturecast.com. That'll have links to social medias and our schedules for the, if you want to watch along with the episode and all of that stuff. Um, that's really, I guess, I don't really have a lot of bad. Oh, no, wait. We got to go to patreon.com slash DuckVTV. Oh, yeah. It's been that's like okay. a month since we've recorded this podcast. So I kind of forgot yeah. the outro a little bit. No, um, it's quite all right. But yeah, if you like this podcast and want to support more work by Gary uh, and myself, go to patreon.com slash TV. Just a few dollars a month gets you access to Slack and gets you episodes early. You guys just are kind of in the process of redoing that right now, which is pretty exciting. I'm pretty I'm looking forward to a lot of the changes that you guys are doing. So, And some of them you hate. I get it. Yeah, yeah, and two of them um, I hate. Which yeah, are they? Uh, Leave me an know. iTunes review to find out. <laughs> yeah, just a five-star review will let you know. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's all good stuff. It's all good stuff. And the response mm-hmm. has, has been uh, almost entirely like kind and good. Good. Um, yeah. With with a couple of notable exceptions of real assholes, <laughs> which is, I mean, even like I'd almost like as long as there's only one or two of them, I kind of prefer that because I think it's, it's funny. There, there's some real like it's been a, it's been a good opportunity for like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that, that's uh, that's fun. Um, 
yeah, but most people have been very nice. Um, at the time you're hearing this, there probably is not still time to to do our survey where you can win uh, Steam gift cards uh, and help us decide what. But that doesn't mean that we don't want to hear from you. If you do have ideas uh, for the network, specifically for our Patreon, um, we're looking for uh, cool ideas for rewards and cool ideas for milestone goals. Um, hit us up. Um, you know, if we can't do it through the survey, you can always uh, shoot us an email. Um, I'm at Gary at DuckFeed.tv, or you can hit me up on Twitter at G-A-R-Y-B-U-H. Uh, where are you at on Twitter, Jeremy? I'm JG Greer on Twitter. Really easy to find. And the the podcast is DOFC Podcast. And, uh, you know, open DMs there as well. So if you just feel like, send us a message. Uh, at the end of every season that we cover, we're going to be doing feedback episodes. So if you want to ask us questions or give us prompts or just find out, tell us who your favorite X-Man is, you can do so via the DM or uh, via the contact form at daysofuturecast.com. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's probably about it. That's it. Thank you, everyone, um, for listening. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah, good night. And good luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a future cast on this.